0: In name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen hail mary
1: full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen in the name of the father the son the holy spirit amen, amen.
0: brother amen. in christ love day to jesus christus in secular this is timothy flanders at the Meaning of catholic jesus is king welcome to another edition of our lady of victory the monday morning man show with co-host jake fowler fowler how you doing brother
1: Uh, i'm doing pretty well the skeleton crew today i guess nicholas Nicholas decided to to stay uh at clear creek he's gonna be a monk now (laughs) yep uh i really want to see a picture of his tonsure that's what i'm looking for but yeah they probably took his phone <clears throat> yeah they yeah that's true that's true and um uh, Bannister probably stayed up late working on the book because as many times as he says he's done we all know he's not I- I'll know he's done when I've got one in my hand and even then it's probably to be like oh I got to do a revised edition
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I I do know he has been pulling near uh near mm-hmm. all nighters uh his sister pulled an iron nighter his sister's been helping him on it um shout out to uh uh jeremiah's sister we all love her yes phoebe um and nicholas was on a retreat at clear creek i think last week but who knows if he's become a monk at this point because if you don't know he has not finalized his vocation in in life so uh but it is the fourth week of advent we have a very adventy theme today which is the last thing anybody wants to talk about in advent but we're going to talk about it because we, we try to try to keep it real around here at, at our lady of victory um and it's the it's the o antiphons one of my favorite liturgical moments in advent is the o antiphons uh so we have o radix Jesse here which is fantastic because michaela ha- harrison actually in her calendar has created a jesse tree is great because I, I was able to tell my kids hey look it's a jesse tree uh because we had just done the uh the moses and the burning bush at in the jesse tree and they have that very thing the typology of our lady in the burning bush it's fantastic i mean this this calendar is the gift that keeps on giving buy your do your children a favor and buy this calendar subscription for christmas literally the home.com um so <clears throat> The the only big thing happening is the feast of Saint Thomas, and then we have Christmas Eve, once again depicted beautifully. Uh, Saint Joseph appealing to the innkeeper, can you? It, it's it's really amazing when we consider the heart of Saint Joseph as fathers, because Saint Joseph providing for the Mother of God, the Son of God. Can you imagine the heart of Saint Joseph? The heart of a father when he's deprived of providing his wife with a proper place to give birth i mean that's that's a yeah, lot of suffering for a father to deal with right
1: right there. that that's a trying situation yeah. none, of, none of us have ever experienced that we can't say oh yeah it's it's like this we, how would you know your wife is outside it's the middle of winter she's about to have a baby and you have literally no shelter may, may or may not have had a match you know like none of us can experience that but st joseph underwent that for the sake of our lady and our lord and it's, it's it's remarkable
0: i would be very tempted to get angry at uh, claudius or caesar augustus who forced me to believe and go to bethlehem right. instead of right. staying in my own hometown yeah. i would be very Senses. angry at him <laughs> it was so important uh, so here's my question Fowler: what is besides presence what are the fowler children most looking forward to for christmas Mm. um or what are you most looking forward to in terms of family traditions or this or that
1: we well this year so let me say something i've been looking forward to within the last two weeks uh our, our parish has started doing public vespers and so they're oh, doing nice. the the O Antiphons every evening, starting Saturday, last Saturday. Um, we haven't made it to one yet because it's it's a bit of a production, as as you're well aware. But I'm hoping we can get to one or two before the end of the week, and participate in public vespers. In fact, our our parish is starting to do more of that kind of stuff, just as an ongoing basis. But aside from that. Um, my two oldest sons absolutely adore serving mass. So maybe that's not the right phrase, but y- you get the point. Uh, they ask us every day, are we going to mass today? Yeah. Wow. sometimes it's yes. And sometimes it's, I mean, some, it's a, it's a half an hour drive and you know, other. Jake had seven kids also, by the way. <laughs> so the oldest two boys, um, I have an oldest daughter and then five boys. And then another daughter the oldest two boys are 10 and eight and like could we go into mass today we want to serve so that's they're looking forward to well uh, so what what christmas mass do y'all go to for christmas we we will go to the midnight mass. all right come on now yeah (laughs) and sometimes uh if they're being particularly persistent we'll take them again in the morning so does it's Mons- only happened a few times? Wow!
0: So does Monsignor Morris do uh, English Mass for Christmas midnight, or does he do the Latin Mass? Because I know just that's my favorite. Percent. It's okay, so it's Latin Mass on midnight because that that's my favorite. Uh, definitely one of my <laughs> another one of my favorite liturgical is the announcement of of mm-hmm. the Incarnation from the Roman Martyrology, like, yes. like from the six thousand years of the world with so caesar augustus
1: this and that and the other and then it's like
0: the incarnation, the, the chanting is so intense ah
1: i know it's it never amazing. gets
0: old i love that
1: so a couple years ago uh we couldn't make it due to illness and we were bummed the year after that um it was the the church was well lit and everything was beautiful and there's music and chanting and you know we're singing they have um I don't know what the proper name for it is, but like from 1030 to 1145, they'll sing Christmas carols.
0: Right.
1: And then at 1145, you know, silent prayer begins in preparation for mass. But then last year they changed it up and it was all candle lit. So you walk into a dark church and it's just candles down, um, the, the center aisle on the sides, candles in, um, the vestibule i don't know how many candles in the sanctuary but it was a really moving experience it was sort of like uh if for for those of you who have been to a Rorate cheli mass it was like that but with no sunrise it was just darkness the whole way through and it was just the most um sublime is the only word that comes to mind sublime way to welcome uh, the infant Jesus on Christmas morning. First first opportunity. I remember that that phrase from his homily. Monsignor Morris said, um, you, we're all here at the very first moment of Christmas, midnight, to celebrate the birth of the Son of God. And it's just, you know, kids are screaming and crying because they're tired and it's all dark and, you know, you could smell the incense. It, it's just an amazing experience. So that's a long way of saying that that's, what i'm looking forward to most i'm hoping it's candlelit again this year um, and then aside from the presence i imagine that's what our kids are looking forward to we'll have some friends over later in the day so maybe they're looking forward to hanging out we shall see
0: yeah so if if viewers are not familiar in the roman rite, there are, are certain i think this happens only twice per or actually three times a year in the three major feasts uh christmas easter and pentecost where there are more than one mass setting for the feast day because Holy Mother Church cannot contain her joy and her adoration to Almighty God for this particular feast day. So on Christmas, there are three different masses. There's the Mass of the Angels, which is the Midnight Mass, the Mass of the Shepherds, which is the Mass uh, at the very beginning of the day, very early, and then the Mass of the Three Kings, which is Mass during the day, and all mm-hmm. three masses have different readings and different everything uh shout out to father john brown he's in the chat uh always good to have uh true jesuits around um and he was making mention of the fact that there is the acrostic for um the o antiphons um which begins with so if, if you sing the tur and if you sing the hymn uh o come, o come emmanuel that is all the o antiphons beginning with Christmas Eve, actually, or beginning with um, not Christmas Eve, but the Eve of Eve, Christmas Adam, as some say, um, which spells out in Latin arrow cross, which means I will be there tomorrow, which are the O antiphons uh, spelled backwards. And that's how Vany Vany Emanuel sings them. It starts with them backwards. So it starts in the order of this acrostic. Um, It's yeah, it's pretty beautiful. I love that. Uh, my, my <laughs> children love the tradition of, um, putting, which I found out recently is a Lithuanian tradition. Um, shout out to Lithuania, uh, beautiful little Latin kingdom between Russia and the West. Um, Lithuanians put hay during advent. They put hay in baby Jesus's manger, which is empty which are so that our children, when our children do good things during Advent, they get to put hay in baby Jesus's manger. Yeah. And then on Christmas Eve, we put a baby Jesus. It's like a big baby Jesus, like this big one of those ceramic ones from the nativity set. Mm -hmm. So then we put baby Jesus in there and they, they definitely love little, when little baby Jesus finally gets there into our manger that they've been preparing for him. So, um, It's wonderful. We usually have been going to the Mass of the Shepherds, so the very early one, seven forty-five a.m. on Christmas Day.
1: Now, that's a feat. So, how do you get? It's easier for me to get my kids to take a nap from like nine to eleven p.m. Christmas Eve and get them up and get dressed and in the van before they realize what's happened. <laughs> e- easier to do that than it is to wake up Christmas morning and convince them. Well, not convince them, but you know uh struggle against them to get in the van when they can see all those presents over there <laughs> yes well we usually do one we do the one present
0: on christmas eve so okay choose one and i mean usually those early morning masses there it's like they're half asleep when they're in mm-hmm. the car so it's like they <laughs> can't resist <laughs> we can't resist, <laughs> we can't resist them we throw them in the car they're we're on the way you know to, nice. before they know what's happening to them <laughs>
1: I, I will say uh, this: If there is a worst part about Christmas, it's when you get home from midnight mass, and now the kids, you know, it's, it's what's it going to be like five degrees? You'll get out of the van, you'll start walking to your house, and the cold—they're just perk up, and they're like, "Oh!" <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you said it was Christmas, Dad. I heard that. Somewhere. <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and <laughs> open up the presents? <laughs> like, and it's like yeah, two a.m. <laughs> exactly. You're like, "Nope, go to bed." Oh
0: man. Well, let's get into our topic. Um, so we'll have, um, this series we'll have part, I think this is like part five and six. We just did a, a, a two part treatment on St. John Paul II on his thought and how he's not a phenomenologist. Now we're going to go back to Marcel Lefebvre. We're going to have first part this week will be a sympathetic portrayal highlighting all of Marcel Lefebvre's virtues, uh, up to the year 1978, which is when John Paul II was elected. So the pre the early Lefebvre we will look at all his his virtues, uh, things like that, that are good things about him. And then part two, we'll have a more critical stance and we'll take uh look at some of his excesses, perhaps uh, areas where um, he, I think, is subject to justified criticism. So it'll be sort of a plus and minus on Marcel Lefebvre this week. Uh, so that's available to guild members. You can get that series at Patreon.com slash of Catholic. make a one-time donation or as always if you can't afford it just contact us meaning of catholic.com slash contact so the thumbnail for this where is this thing here it is the thumbnail for this show is father reginald gary lagrange and he is known as the greatest thomas day legend of the 20th century obviously this is a disputed question but uh, that is the the uh, the defendable position of uh, my friend, Dr. Matthew Minard. He has two shows on this subject um, at Meaning of Catholic. So just search Matthew Minard at Meaning of Catholic, where we discuss Father Reginald Gary Lagrange. And the reason this is so important, he's the one who's giving us the four last things. This is the last thing that everyone wants to talk about in Advent, which is the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Um, but the reason Father Reginald Gary Glue Grange is so important for for many different reasons. Um, but it is basically an, an unfortunate thing that uh, enemies of Christ desired to basically overthrow um, the legacy of Father Reginald Gary Lou Grange after Vatican II. Um, because as we as we discussed in one of our broadcasts with Matthew Minard, um there's the the trad myth about vatican ii is that there was you know there was um this wonderful church that was flourishing before vatican ii and then vatican ii destroyed it all well were, that's that's a myth because there were actually problems in theology before vatican ii uh this is what ratziker talks especially in germany i don't i don't think in germany there was a lot of good Thomism, and Ratzinger mentions how there's this neo-scholasticism which was going into excess in various ways and we've discussed this um so but what had the problem the sad thing that happened was father reginald gary lagrange was really did not fall into any of those bad things he was not in these excess he was really the, the best of the best of the best at the time and side note he's the one who taught john paul ii his thomism and we discussed that he's the one who gave john paul ii his thomistic dissertation so that's going to explode some myths as well um but Father Reginald Gary Glugrange is the one who critiqued the neo-modernism that was latent in some of the guys who were associated with the Nouvelle Teologie not all obviously uh but Mm -hmm. he pinpointed some of the baddies that were going that were that were uh you know shifting around in those circles in the 1940s the mid-1940s um but because of these enemies of christ these modern and neo modernists and all these bad guys who were coming out of out of the woodwork at and after vatican ii they took occasion they took some of the some of the weaker thomas of the pre-vatican ii period they were there were the, the, the bad, those bad guys and then they took that as an occasion to throw out the legacy of father reggie garrige Lugrange, which was a right. tragedy And thankfully nowadays we're actually coming to a point where people are recouping his legacy, notably in particular, um, Dr. Matthew Minard in particular, who's translated much of his works. Um, And so, and thank you to uh, St. Paul Center who's published a
1: lot of his works.
0: I just have the, um, uh, where is it here?
1: and Clooney media too has oh, done yeah, some. so
0: here's here's some of the works from uh emmaus press they just oh, yeah. put out this big huge tome on on revelation by greg Gre- 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 Gre-
1: grunge um isn't that is that three volumes so there's two of them no, right there's there one forthcoming i thought i thought when he wrote it it was three though oh there's i i don't think i, there I there could there, be wrong about it unless wrong, they're republishing it as two but yeah these are somewhere. all
0: um fantastic i mean these are like the best of the best of the best of the best tomism before vatican two it and so it's absolutely gold so our our uh our absent uh co-host kavasos wrote brother uh, brother, Kavassos,
1: brother brother Nicholas.
0: <laughs> he is uh we, we've so this is a project that we've we've been trying to do at one peter five is popularizing and spreading feather guy glue grunge to the popular audience and one of these things uh Cavassos was doing was um working on the four last things for Advent he's got uh part one and two through uh Father Reginald Gary glue Grange and all of his work uh so we'll have part three and four this week at one Peter five death judgment heaven and hell so what I wanted to do father was um first talk about kind of practically speaking how do we how do we put the four last things into practice in our own lives like what what do we personally do or how can we actually do that um how do we talk with others about this um and how do we teach our children about this jack are you there come here son speaking of yeah, bud i'm I'm working hey
1: jack what's up buddy so good morning
0: you you remember mr fowler look it's mr fowler it's scotty's dad look there he is hey jack all right so we're just talking yeah speaking of teaching kids (laughs) yeah we're we're just talking about heaven and hell where the bad guys go all the bad guys who don't we were just talking about the fallen angels last night because we had that um cuz we so we we had um, this uh, painting from the Epic Times I, oh, I, yeah. I love that newspaper I subscribed to the newspaper and in the Epic Times they have all this great Christian stuff and one of them was this painting of John Milton from John Milton's illustrated edition or something which was the fallen angels which was the battle in heaven of the fallen angels versus oh, St Michael yeah. we were just talking about that last night remember that jack gang yeah. um, so the <laughs> so we we said that the the, the angels are good or bad. We can't change the bad angels into good guys because the bad angels made their choice at the beginning of, of the world. Right. The bad angels just, they chose to be bad guys, and that's that. They chose to be bad guys forever. But the bad guys in the world today, we can still change those guys into good guys if we preach the word of god. Oh yeah, we were talking about the right. Vikings too, weren't we? I remember that because in in the Epic Times kids section there was there was the um this this Norwegian man who discovered the South Pole <laughs> who was a Viking, you know, descendant of the Vikings. So uh, the Vikings were bad guys who invaded the fatherland, but right. our our forefathers converted them to become good guys because we preached the word of god to them so those are some of the ways that we were talking right yeah
1: no that's that's a handy uh handy accident there that happened uh well jack welcome to the show do you have any thoughts you want to so jack do you um
0: (laughs) who who is the baddest bad guy
1: satan
0: Satan. and who's the goodest good guy who among the angels michael st michael yeah So how do we we, go ahead, Tim? How how do we get the good guys or how do we get the bad? So the bad guys, if the bad guys die and they choose to reject Jesus, where do the bad guys go? remember? Hell. Hell. They go to hell. So how do we how do we save the bad guys so that the bad guys can go to heaven instead of going to hell? How should we do that that's a tough question that's really the question i think so we gotta save yeah. the bad guys and save the bad guys to go to heaven instead of going to hell
1: jack could we pray for them yeah, oh, Would yeah that work like, yeah we it's it's could like pray what? for them
0: that's like what peanut always wants to do my, my youngest daughter, who's two years old, she always wants to pray for the bad guys.
1: Yeah, that's important. So we
0: got to pray. I for think the we day. take
1: that for granted a lot. But the power of intercessory prayer, even on someone who is ostensibly unwilling uh, to receive it, first of all, we could never know that in in the very depths of their being whether they were in fact unwilling. So we should pray just in case they were open to that. But then, um, not that grace is irresistible, but God can. You know, kind of smash in a door or window in someone's soul if if um if he so chooses. And uh, you know, figuratively, of course, he could bring them to a moment in their lives where conversion is imminent. And then, if the rest of us have been praying uh, fervently, you never know. So we could we could save or uh, help save bad guys from going to hell by praying for them. What do you think about that, Jack? Yeah, I guess so.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's a really yeah. good point from Mr. Fowler, I think. Because uh, we can feel despairing if we've tried to talk to a bad guy and try to tell him, stop being a bad guy. Believe in Jesus. Renounce your heresy. But they won't listen to us. So we have to ask... Almighty God to give them the grace, God can, God can change the bad guys into good guys. Let's see, what, what is, what is a bad guy that we know of who turned into a good guy? Didn't we just talk about somebody like that? I forgot. Who was a bad guy? Oh, Lando Calrissian was a bad guy in Star Wars. Remember that? Remember that guy? The dude who betrayed him the Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of a bad guy at first, but then he turned into a good guy. <clears throat> I can't remember. There was there was somebody in in real life that we were talking about, but I can't remember.
1: But well, if you believe um, some accounts, uh, Lando was. It's one way to render the name of a certain pope who reigned from like nine eleven to nine twelve. So obviously, after Lando's <laughs> conversion. <laughs> <laughs> he repented of handing over Han uh, to Darth Vader. He was later baptized, and became the Holy Father. So there we go, perfect. Yeah, I, I, I
0: find that the the easiest way to teach kids is through pictures. And I was just gonna, I was gonna bring up the um, Literature of the Home calendar has this fantastic rendering for November of the of the four last things because it's like the, it's like the last judgment, and so. Right there's like the it's just very graphically depicted where it has all the good guys going to heaven the bad guys and the, the demons going to hell and it also has the fire of purgatory and there's all these people in, in the fire and they're like getting out of purgatory when we say masses yes. for them um, I think I
1: remember you you put that up on the screen uh yeah, I last think I month, did in November but, pretty sure uh, uh, yeah, I remember that one. And th- that, that, that's a great point. Um, so aside from, uh, the obvious, you know, pray for your enemies. Okay. That's again, we, we take it for granted. People don't take it for granted, just actually do it. Um, but aside from that art is a handy way or, or uh, not just art, but sensible objects are a really handy way to bring about the conversion of those around us and even ourselves when we need it. Um, Tim and I are not saints yet and so there are times when we find ourselves more aligned with the bad guys than the good and and we need to repent and confess and and bring ourselves back into a a state of grace through the help of God Uh, that being said art and sensible material objects can foster I think within us a certain disposition to be open to that And, and one of the ways that I know that that's true is because in my classroom, uh, I have a skull sitting on my desk and a painting or a, a drawing rather of a skull mounted on the wall, which I got from a local Catholic artist, um, here in St. Louis, shout out to Rinjamin Button. Uh, I can spell it in the, the comments. If any of you would like to patronize her art, she does a very lovely job. Um, But I've got these, the skull on my desk, the one on the wall, and then I've got on my other coffee mug, a sticker of a skull. And it says, memento mori on the top. And then on the bottom, it says, then we shall see face to face. And it's a reminder, primarily to me, to not um, fall into temptation to practice virtue. But it doubles as a warning for anyone else who sees it. And Tim, you probably wouldn't be surprised, but some people might be surprised to know just how many times 13 and 14 year old boys ask me what's with the skull (laughs) or other teachers. That's kind of weird. Why do you have a skull on your desk? Do you teach science? Like, no, I teach theology. Well, what's with that? I said, well, it reminds me to um, to avoid sin because you never know when you'll die. Oh, that's kind of dark, isn't it? Not really. I'm talking about going to heaven. That seems not dark. Mm-hmm. And then, when you start to explain something like that, it's like, remember your death isn't a morbid, macabre sort of thing. It's actually uh, a cause for joy in one sense, right? It's, it's a cause for concern in another if you know you haven't been living properly. Uh, but art, such as as that painting or the, the drawing I have in my classroom, or the, I mean, I get like a little plastic skull, I got it on Amazon for 15 bucks just set that on my desk. And next thing you know, what's with the skull? Well, you better repent before you die. Oh no. Am I going to go to hell? Like, well, look, that's between you and God. But, and the kids don't even realize it, but it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's like a prick of their conscience, Mm. you know? So having that, that, uh, material sensible thing there and have it in your house, have it in your car, let it be on your lips. You know, Bannister always says, and and I always say at the end of our, of our solo episodes, memento mori, like let's not forget about that because it's kind of important, right? Our, our wills will be fixed at the point of death. The culmination of all of the choices we've made in our lives are either tending toward Christ or tending away from Christ. And so, when we're experiencing existence uh in an immediate fashion meaning apart from our body we're not being mediated reality through the sensible world but we're rather experiencing it directly in our soul there's no more room for choice hence why death and judgment are concerns of us now and not after the fact It's not, you die and then you have to decide we're deciding right now, you know, one, one of the things, um, and feel free to stop me any, any time you want to jump in here, Uh, but when we were just, uh, you were explaining to Jack about how God created the angels before, uh, the rest of creation and they made their choice back then. And there's no going about there, there. There's no going back. Right, the good angels will always be good. The bad angels will always be bad. So God's um, in His wisdom has created a creature that had to choose right away, but then He created creatures like us, who have uh, the span of time to make our decision. And so this is uh, some would say the the drama of human existence, the 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 saga of our own salvation is what did we do or not do? how did we struggle for or against our Lord who wills our salvation but not without our consent right So our our choice is not uh, fixed in in one moment in time like the angels until the point of our death, right? And so I think if we internalize that and remember that, literally everything I say, think and do is either contributing toward virtue or subtracting from it. To keep that on my mind all day long, that's a handy way to avoid temptation. Absolutely. Um,
0: It's remarkable how the four last things really um, give you a kick in your teeth spiritually. Uh, and it is, it, it uh, makes perfect sense why Holy Mother Church brings the four last things to our attention every Advent. Uh, unfortunately, it's pretty much gone out of style. You don't, you don't really hear the four last things very much outside of like a traditional parish or something. But um, the, I, the uh, if, you, if anyone's familiar with D.A.'s E. Ray, the chant about the last judgment, which yeah. is on the in the Requiem Mass, it's about the final judgment. Uh, that was actually an Advent hymn originally composed for Advent. It? So it's, um, but it, it, as you say, it's it's remarkable how effective it is if we were just consi- yeah. consider the four last things, consider our death. Um, you mentioned practical things. How do we practically do this? You you have the skull, um, which is great classic uh i find that the the liturgy <clears throat> the divine office helps me remember because it is this so the the office of Compline in the divine office which is the night prayer before you go to bed um we've we've gotten into we finally we've struggled a lot with family prayer for years but we finally got in in the habit of um doing uh night prayer as a family as a as a bedtime prayer
1: <clears> with the kids too
0: <clears throat> with the kids yeah they're they're usually oh, nice. falling asleep at that point there's only usually my four-year-old is the one who's who's wide awake could actually chance a lot of it with us so we we do a chanted version of Compline, which is it's like a blended form of the new form the new literature of the hours that's sort of abbreviated like we took out the psalmody for example mm-hmm. because it's just too long so it's like a five minute version of the the office of readings compline, but it's it yes. is chanted so it's nice so that we it, we have uh we do like the Marian antiphons, like elma redemptoris mater um so only one of my kids usually is awake at that point but he does <laughs> he does get into the chance and, and actually jack usually falls asleep first he it's kind of remarkable because he usually is asleep at the time of Compline, but then once in a while he'll be awake and then he'll start chanting all the chants. Like he, he, he knew it all along. It's like, it's an amazing how music <laughs> is so effective, effective, um, effective tool for, for kids. But in that liturgy, there is a line. God grant us a quiet night and a peaceful death because the darkness is a symbol of death. Mm-hmm. And there's all these in the full office of Compline, there's all these supplications to be saved from the devil. And to be you, you pray Psalm, uh, I think it's Psalm 90, Whoso Dwelleth Under the Fence of the Most High, which is talking all about God's protection and his angels sending you protection. Um, so there's all this, there's all this symbolism, there's the symbolism of the darkness. There's the chance of Compline thinking about death, and there's also the examine that you should you should pray your examine. Shout out again to uh, the true Jesuit, Father John Brown. The examine. I, I actually <laughs> here, here's here's a confet here's a here's a f- funny funny uh, funny fact about Tim Flanders is that before I got uh, engaged to my wife, I was interested in a few religious orders, and one of them was the Jesuits. Uh, and I, I, they sent me an examine card with the examine prayer. And, uh, I still use that a lot because I still pray the examine most days if I, if I, if I, not, if things aren't happening. But I, yeah, I love the examine prayer, traditional Jesuit prayer. But you should, you should at least do some sort of examination of conscience at the end of every day. Uh, I think it's Don Alphonsus who says that that's the prayer that you should never leave out. Um, and, um, When you do your examination of conscience you can think about the fact that you're about to go to your judgment like the the symbolism of the of the 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 drawing darkness of the night is your draw is your death approaching and the examination of conscience is the fact that you're about to stand before the judgment seat this is and this this particular book this is um russian orthodox book i read when i was orthodox which is a, a very very good book there's a lot of good Orthodox books out there and I this is what I say to people is um, if you read an Orthodox book as long as they're not talking about anything Western they usually know what they're talking about <laughs> as soon as they start talking about Western stuff they don't know what they're talking about they start to misunderstand whatever but like this is an example of a fantastic Russian Orthodox book that I would recommend what's the title it's called the Arena by saint it's a russian saint ignatius briancheninov it's a 19th century work and all it is is just it's basically just summarizing the greek and russian fathers like the the monastic wisdom of of past centuries it's summarizing the the desert fathers and stuff all this stuff and one of the things he says in this um the there one thing i got from this book is is the prayer in any suffering if you experience any suffering whatsoever god bless you son oh here you go Okay. All right. Um, any suffering at all, what you do is you put yourself as the thief on the cross, and you say, mm-hmm. "I am receiving what I deserve for my sins." Remember me, O Lord, in Thy kingdom. That's the prayer in any suffering whatsoever. You you have this suffering, that suffering, this this problem in your life at any time during the day. You just go back to the thief in the cross. Remember me, O Lord, in Thy kingdom. That that prayer is so powerful. I am receiving what I deserve for my sins. it's really puts everything into perspective really quickly and what the other thing he said was a practical note what you do is you imagine yourself at the final judgment which is where you are you're standing at the final judgment and there's jesus christ the judge and he's um he's judging you and you have to Mm -hmm. beg for mercy because you know that you deserve to go to hell but uh you you need to examine your conscience and and beg him for mercy and that's that's the best way to prepare yourself or that's one way like it, especially if you're not if you're not struggling with scruples that's a good way if you are struggling with scruples maybe that's not the best way but
1: yeah consult um, your confessor
0: but um anyways i i find um doing the examine and then at Compline Compline also has the uh confidior in it as well mm-hmm. so you pray a con, the confidior prayer um and um that is what.
1: Hey, okay, I go find mommy.
0: okay, that's fine. I'll be there. Tell tell her it's seven forty-five or it's uh six forty-five. Okay? okay. All right. Her coffee's upstairs too. Okay. Um. So yeah. So you so Copeland, you do the confidiar. So the confidiar <laughs> is a perfect prayer to do while imagining yourself at the final judgment right which is i i confess to almighty god to blessed mary and all those angels and saints that i have greatly sinned and then you say therefore i beseech the mother of god and all the saints and you my brethren to pray for me to the lord our god that is that is what you should be practicing you're rehearsing your your own death yeah yeah i was was at, at the final judgment that's exactly
1: um, the phrase I was going to use uh, in reference when you, when you brought up St. Alphonsus a moment ago. It's like a dress rehearsal for the judgment. Doing the examine at night is like going through like, okay, if it happened today, what what would this be? <laughs> if it happened today, what would this be? And it's just constant. It's almost like practice, right? Ideally, by the end of your life, uh, when you examine your conscience, if you, if you live according to virtue, you don't find mortal sins. Right, ideally, by by God's grace, that that would be uh, a blessing. But if we do, in fact, examine our conscience and find grave sins, well, then we get to confession before it's too late. But, anyways, I I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: oh, here, so here is that book, "The Arena: An Offering to Contemporary monasticism uh, okay. by Ignatius Briancheninov. Um. <clears throat> I have to, I keep on forgetting to, totally unrelated, but I I keep on forgetting to shout out this uh, friend I met in Indiana. His name's Jeremy, Jeremy in Indiana. When I was driving down to Nashville for Thanksgiving, I was randomly at a gas station, and this guy says, hey, I'm a fan of Meaning of Catholic, and his name was Jeremy in Indiana, so shout out to Jeremy from Indiana. I I wanted to uh do that i i'm not good at shouting out and all that stuff i'm sorry i apologize jeremy it's been three weeks or four weeks since we met but anyway shout out to jeremy, jeremy
1: you sound like a heck of a guy you know i, I know yeah. a couple of people from indiana and um i'm glad to hear that others in that state are not like them <laughs> oh good <laughs> no they they know if they're watching this they know who they are they know i'm kidding uh oh okay good good <laughs> uh,
0: so let me um any thoughts on any of this stuff? I know that um, one of the things mm. that on judgment that I loved from, from Gary Gulagrange was that he said that the judgment will actually put right everything that's wrong in the world and including uh, all falsehoods, false theories, God will put everything back to the way it should be. Um, right. The, let's see,
1: where is this? Well, if he didn't, then he wouldn't be uh, just.
0: Yes. Um... If,
1: if things aren't, re- you know, even, uh, even uh, I guess we could call them righteous pagans. I don't know if they're righteous, but they're certainly pagans. Uh, men like Plato and Aristotle sensed that uh, there must be a thing called justice that will eventually right all the wrongs in the world so if you can know even that bare minimum uh by reason alone then elevated you know reason elevated by by grace and faith it couldn't be otherwise
0: yeah so gary will says reasons for the last judgment <clears throat> excuse me and he's quoting saint thomas first dead men live in the memory of men on earth and are often judged contrary to truth Spirits strong and false, like Spinoza, Kant, Hegel, are judged as if they were great philosophers. False prophets and heresy arcs, such as Luther and Calvin, are considered by many to be masters of religious thought, whereas great saints and doctors are profoundly ignored. Judgment Day will show how much value is to be assigned to certain histories of philosophies, to money studies and the origin of Christianity, written in a spirit of absolutely rationalistic. It will show how their personal variations and contradictions come from their fundamental error the negation of the supernatural etc etc uh the Pharisees Caiaphas Pilate will be judged definitively truth will conquer all these lies it is clear that God if God exists truth must be have the absolute last word the dead had imitators in good or evil evil is easier to imitate truth and justice must be vindicated blessed are they who hunger and thirst after justice for they shall have their fill the final judgment Mm -hmm. father what are your thoughts
1: Oh, goodness. There's a lot to go off of there. Um, Let's see. That's literally the moment that we've all been waiting for, right? Whether we consciously recognize it or not. But the final reckoning, you know, you've got, um, let's see, Hollywood, uh, no particular film, but many of them have like an apocalyptic scene. um, And it's not always accurate or very Christian-like, but it's a theme that perpetually occupies the minds of men. And so uh, the judgment is something that's pertinent even to those who profess not to believe. Why is that? Well, there's something deep inside of us that understands, like I mentioned before, um, with Plato and Aristotle, there's something deep down where we sense that justice must be done. And this is uh, the manner in which it will be done. Truth, capital T, like you see here in the highlighted section of the screen, truth must be vindicated. Truth will have the last word, right? Of course, that refers to Christ. When all of the deeds, when all all the thoughts, words, and deeds of human existence are made known, then, <clears throat> Sorry, I got uh, a little distracted. When when the thoughts, words, and deeds of all human existence are made known, no one can really be upset about that, right? I mean, uh, figuratively speaking, when you see that you got what you deserve, when you when you understand that, when you see that others got what they deserve, whether it be for good or for ill, um, this is that it's it's almost like. A, a second epiphany it's like a manifestation not of the son of god but of the other sons of god you know lowercase s with with us uh and god saying well i gave you this time here on earth i gave you uh my grace what did you do with it did you lean on me or did you try to go your own way let's see how it turned out right. what, uh one one more thing that I'll, I'll just say real quick is that um In a human court of law, when you go before a judge and plead guilty, you're typically convicted of whatever you're accused of. Um, But in the divine court, if we can call it such, when you go before the judge and plead guilty, you get mercy because of the death of Christ, right, and his resurrection, whereas in a human court of law if you're a philanderer and a liar and a whatever else and you convince the judge that you're not guilty even though you you might be then you get off you get off the hook but again at the at the judgment in that divine court dishonesty doesn't lead to liberation but rather perdition so it's sort of it's not exactly the inverse but there's a, it seems like there's sort of a, a reverse analogy there, where if you are owning up to your crimes and begging mercy before the Lord, that's what you get, mercy. But if you refuse to acknowledge responsibility or, or, or act as if, well, what I did really isn't that bad, then you get the judgment, right? Then you get condemnation. So, so it's it's flipped and it's awkward, I think, uh, for human beings to, it, it's not awkward to understand it. It's not difficult to understand, but it's awkward to live it, to know that I have to come to terms with my own sins in order to be freed of them, right? And, and this is ideally how we're going to go into the judgment. If you've lived the holy life, uh, if, if you've sought the practice of virtue and depended upon the grace of God, then when you go into the judgment you know exactly where you stand versus somebody who maybe at the last minute has this realization that they're about to die but doesn't know how to repent or what to repent of for that matter so, uh yeah I think, any more um, thoughts yeah i
0: think there's um well saint alphonsus shout out to banister this is one of his favorite books too saint alphonsus has a book called preparation for death and it just has like uh a few dozen very very short meditations on preparation for death it's a fantastic book which will convert you into and kick you in the teeth for your spiritual life um, <clears throat> i wanted to one thing i wanted to touch on was scrupulosity because this is a malady that seems to be present in many souls these days um and it seems to be the result of various issues that we're dealing with church and society but it is a excessive uh rely it can be there's many causes uh one could be psychological uh one can have different mental issues whatever for various reasons or causes uh but it's also often a uh has its source in pride because essentially it is it is placing yourself it is asserting that you uh are at a tribunal other than christ's tribunal so you go to confession you confess your sins the priest gives you absolution and then you refuse the absolution well that's pride it's mm-hmm. pride to say well i i deserve more punishment than christ is giving me basically that's pride because you're not allowing yourself to be judged by christ christ is the judge let him judge you right and if you truly confess your sins uh, and you're so you receive abs- receive absolution is pride to think otherwise um, <clears throat> and that's a difficult thing because it is a, a very cunning trick of the devil to tr- uh to trick pious souls who are concerned about their sins rightly uh trick them into this scrupulous pride uh so it's a difficult malady <clears throat> but i think that perhaps one of the biggest considerations in the four last things is the is the mercy of almighty God and that his mercy is infinite and that one has to hope in his mercy that because scrupulous people are are tempted towards the sin of despair there's there's the the sin of presumption which is basically presuming that you will go to heaven that's a sin Mm -hmm. and the scrupulous people are the opposite which is presuming you'll go to hell uh, that there is no mercy for you. And so there is this moderate middle, the mean between the two extremes, which is the virtue of hope, which is, uh, I think, excellently described by Dom Scupoli in Spiritual Combat, first few chapters. He talks about how the spiritual life is all about trusting in almighty God, infinite mm-hmm. trust in almighty God, and, and then distrust in yourself. So you distrust yourself and you trust in God. And so we really have to strive, if if you're scrupulous, really strive to hope, hope, hope in God, that God can save you. God will save you. uh, And you need to put your trust in his mercy and to truly hope to truly have this this mean of the virtue of hope. So final thoughts, Fowler, anything on four last things? We're all out of time.
1: Oh goodness! Well, there's so much more that could be said. It it would be good to maybe do this again next week, presumably with Brother Nicholas back, um, unless he really is staying there. We don't know, folks. We're not sure. Um, no, I. You know, the four last things. Uh, three of them seem like such big downers: death, judgment, and hell. Right. And then we're like, well, I guess we better talk about heaven too, so at least 25% of this thing isn't just you know doom and gloom. But in reality, I would say actually um death judgment and heaven are causes for great joy we all will die but our lord has conquered death we all will be judged but again we're going to uh, a judgment of mercy and then heaven what can we say about that right. so i think living living uh, a catholic life entails constantly reminding ourselves um that we are pilgrims and pilgrims hope to reach their destination and so we have to hope right this is something that i i can honestly say that i struggle with uh the virtue of hope is difficult to understand and even more difficult to implement uh even even by god's grace it seems that there is no hope and i think that's That's the very essence of it. Like you said, Tim, trust in God, distrust myself. So when I'm to the point where I'm like, that's it, there's no hope. That's exactly where the virtue of hope starts. It's uh, the the firm belief that God will make good on his promises, right? Uh, Yes, Mungo, I'm right there with you, bud. Anyway, constantly remembering uh, our pilgrim status remembering our death remembering the judgment conducting a daily examine and then rejoicing that our judge is mercy it's it's um what's that prayer there's a prayer i think it's the in in the saint andrew daily Missal. it's preparation for communion or it's like prayers before mass and it's the prayer of saint ambrose uh do you know the one i'm referring to you're talking about
0: to to thy banquet table I come. That one.
1: Was, was like- yes. 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 That's it. And there's a line. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but there there's a line in there that says something like, "Um, I know that I am not worthy for this, but I'm I'm approaching you. Or, I'm, oh, I'm approaching so I got badly. It, got you got it. Okay, save yeah.
0: me. Um, um, the um, I I know, Lord, truly do I confess that i am unworthy but truly do i believe that thou canst make me worthy um
1: that's that's I, not the part i was thinking of it's so, oh, okay. sort of like um oh uh i i seek um mercy from him who is my judge it's something like that
0: oh okay yeah. uh
1: shame on me for not having it memorized but that's that's the essence of the last judgment that's what we are going to meet after our death either the righteous judge who condemns sins or the merciful lord who by his death has has thrust open the gates to heaven right so god's done his part now it's up to us to do our part and our part uh paradoxically is leaning on him so that he can do his part more
0: <laughs> i've got um uh to the table of the most feast sweet feast of loving lord jesus i a sinner presuming nothing i'm on my merits and then it says oh gracious God of awful majesty i by my in my misery being brought into a great strait turn to thee the front of mercy to thee i hasten to be healed and thee before whom i cannot stand as my judge i long to have as my savior That's to thee it. o lord i show my wounds to thee i discover my shame well that brings up another aspect of that would you just just the practical aspect of that the holy communion is also a rehearsal for the judgment too because it is a judgment right. there's all these all these pre and post communion prayers which say let not this communion be unworthy and turn to my condemnation but that's rather, actually yeah that's in the canon oh it's in the canon of the map oh I'm you mean one of those really certain in the missile
1: yes well the the so that there the the phrase you mentioned uh let not this communion be my condemnation but rather my salvation that's in prayers before and after mass but also i'm nearly certain it's in the canon or near the canon
0: well there is the deliver us not there's the uh let us not be um de- deliver us from eternal damnation that's in the roman canon i know that but um and i know that there's the um quadri sum sumus i the uh let this the, the post communion prayers of the priest which is the um bring not uh, make this holy communion enter into my bowels and cleanse me from every sin but I, I think it, it might be if I'm recalling I wish I had a missile right now but the um uh there's the prayer of peace after the Pax domini of obiscum and then there's three prayers and I think what you're referring to Fowler is that second prayer I think
1: it it could remember. brothers there may also be one right before the priest's communion that's what I'm talking about yeah that's okay. that one so, yeah right before okay the priest's
0: communion. that's it but anyhow, yeah, just just uh, this this is definitely that, that's a great point that there's all these great prayers, which the church has already given us to prepare, rehearse our, our this whole four last things in the Blessed Sacrament every single Sunday or every day if you're a daily communion. So, yep. all right, well, well, we're all out of time uh, in the end. It all comes back to Our Lady. So let's offer up a, a Hail Mary to end this out in preparation for the coming of Christ in his first coming at christmas and in his final coming at the last judgment name of the father son and holy spirit amen hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus
1: holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen our lady of victory pray for us
0: mary queen of the home
1: pray for us
0: saint joseph terror of demons
1: pray for us
0: saint anthony of the desert pray for all clergy and seminarians in the name of the father the son the holy spirit amen jesus is king